you should try organic. What about becoming vegan? Don't eat any carbs. How about low carb? Paleo, keto, don't eat anything white. Don't forget about the dirty dozen. You eat too little. You eat too much. Don't forget to fast before you work out. I do intermittent fasting. Don't eat after six o'clock. Oh my God, sugar? Every day, I'm inundated with opinions. And you know what they say about opinions. Please, don't be foodish. Join me, Amy Goldsmith, owner of Kinder Nutrition and Wellness and Dietitian for 20 years, as I talk evidence-based nutrition to get the disorder out of eating. I can't wait to serve you. Well, hello there. It has been quite some time. I am super excited to tape another podcast. Uh, I started this last April in 2020 when we were right in the middle of the beginning of a significant change and it is January 2021. Not much has changed, but I have been able to remove some things from my uh, responsibilities and thought this was a great time to tape another episode. So today's episode is named Hopefully Devoted to You. I am a girl who grew up in the 80s and just loved Olivia Newton-John. Today I want to focus on how to put together a team for yourself or a loved one who is dealing with an eating disorder. As a reminder, my name is Amy Goldsmith, and I have been a registered dietitian for about 22 years. I own a practice in Frederick, Maryland, which is near Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. Our practice consists of dietitians, therapists, yoga instructors, group support, dining support, and more. One of the things that we have seen during the pandemic is that our patients are coming to us a lot sicker than they had in the past. And our thought process is that with the change to stay at home, many of our patients kind of move to the comfortable sweat uh, zone or yoga pant zone. The average patient that we have started to see has lost at least 15 to 18 pounds. And we've seen some patients who have lost from 50 to 100 pounds. When this happens and when the patient comes to us, they are in pretty critical condition. So it's important for us, even as an outpatient facility, to be able to work with inpatient and residential and to have that good relationship just in case we need it. At Kindred Nutrition and Wellness, patients come to us from a bunch of different modalities. Sometimes people do a web search and we come up as experts. Sometimes we're referred from residential or inpatient or partial hospitalization as the next step. Lots of times we're referred from pediatricians to do an assessment and see if we're working with an eating disorder and help with direction of care. And sometimes we are referred from therapists or dietitians. Often we find that when people come to our particular group practice, there is not a team in place. So that is one of the things as owner of Kindred Nutrition and Wellness that I take on from a case management perspective. It is very important that in the outpatient team, 
there are the right providers. No matter what you read or what a general provider will tell you, the outpatient team must consist of a dietitian, a therapist, a primary physician who can order labs, EKGs, DEXA scans, and more, potentially a specialized psychiatrist, and sometimes family therapy. This can be extremely overwhelming for the family or the patient who is attempting to get care because it's a lot of loose ends that need to come together. And let's be honest, there's lots of obstacles to this care. Most of the time, it's impossible to find providers who are in network with your particular insurance. And now, especially during this pandemic, we find that lots of providers have many, many patients that they're working with and possibly a wait list. In addition to collaborating with all the providers, it's very important to do your research or to talk to each provider when scheduling to ensure that they have eating disorder experience. Without the eating disorder experience, it can be triggering to the patient or there can be significant parts of treatment that are left alone, which will prevent recovery. So let's talk about all of the different providers. We'll start with a dietitian because that is what I am. Your dietitian that works with you from an eating disorder perspective needs to be specialized in eating disorders. You're going to want to know what their experience is like and how long they've been in the field. The dietitian is the person who manages a lot of the clinical side of the eating disorder with the physician. Lots of times people see a dietitian as the person who just does weights. That's not the only thing that we do. We are constantly assessing what the nutrition intake looks like, how far behind they are, if they're not eating enough of one product, if they're eating too much of the other, and the dietitian has to have a strong communication so that they can coach and motivate that person to be able to compromise and change their eating behaviors, their food rules, and more. A dietitian will often, at least in our practice, I collaborate with all the physicians and direct the care. So when I feel that someone is not eating enough or that they um, are having clinical physiological effects that need to be assessed, I will contact the physician immediately and we'll work on lab orders, EKGs, DEXA, and things like that. The dietitian is and should be very well versed in reading laboratories and being able to collaborate and talk to the physician about what might be going on. For example, oftentimes with labs, we can tell if someone may be using laxatives or not, if they're eating too much of one particular product, too little of one particular product, if there's muscular wasting or any deficiencies. The dietitian also has to communicate with the therapist routinely. And the reason for this is because there's lots of um, things that that particular patient may say that is a red flag or makes the dietitian think that there is something that needs to be processed in therapy. Keep in mind, the dietitian that you're working with should understand that therapy has lots of different parts, but it's very important to communicate with the therapist the challenges that you are asking for on the food side of things. And also to communicate to the patient that 
you understand that you're asking that particular patient to do very hard things and it's completely normal to be anxious or sad or fearful and that that's one of the things that they work with with the therapist. Working with a dietitian is a scary thing. We're talking about the subject matter that is the most vulnerable to that particular patient. And it's important for the dietitian to have empathy and understand what that patient is going through. Sometimes the dietitian would be the, would be the bad cop asking to do something that seems absolutely impossible and really enforcing it and holding that person accountable. The dietitian is also responsible to communicate with the family, especially when working with kids. If the family is purchasing groceries and making meals, it's important to be transparent about the expectations. Sometimes families need a little bit more coaching, and this is where it gets a little bit hazy. One of the things that we really work on in our practice is to really focus on our identifying patient. And in our practice, the identifying patient is the person who has the eating disorder. We will communicate to the families what the expectations are and give ideas of how to complete those expectations. But if there are, and there should be, challenges to this, because it is very, very difficult, we will often refer out to family therapy. The reason for this is because that gives the family an opportunity to work on their family systems to see how they can be the most successful in this very challenging time. It also offers another point of collaboration where the family therapist and the dietitian can collaborate together to make the treatment go as seamlessly as possible. In my practice and with my 22 years of experience, I will say if I'm going to be completely transparent and honest that too many of my families do not work with the family therapy. I'm not sure what this is. Many of times I think that some families feel like this is a judgment, but it is absolutely not a judgment to recommend family therapy. A family has strong emotional connections and there's very complex interactions. An eating disorder is surprising and very hard to understand. It is not a judgment to recommend family therapy. It is a recommendation to really help with that family systems to set up a unit that is successful to prevent relapse and promote recovery. If you remember what I've said before, family-based therapy has proven through research to be one of the most successful treatment modalities for eating disorders. So let's talk about the individual therapist. This can get confusing at times. The individual therapist's job is to work with the identifying patient. It is very important for the therapist to and the patient to have a very strong rapport. There needs to be safety in that room and the patient really needs to trust that particular provider. It is important for the therapist to have the eating disorder experience because they need to be able to connect thoughts, feelings to the maladaptive eating disorder behavior. The particular eating disorder therapist will also have lots of other experience with anxiety, depression, OCD, and more, but it's very, very important to also have that eating disorder experience. Usually that individual therapist may sometimes schedule initial visits with the family if needed to assess the family structure and the family system, but it is 
completely normal for the individual therapist to be the person who refers out to additional specialists. For example, if the individual therapist finds that the particular patient is really having a hard time working through some of the cognitive behavior tools that that particular therapist is working with because of obstacles with mood, they may refer to a psychiatrist who can make an assessment and possibly talk about short-term or long-term medication. Also at times, that family therapy referral may come from the individual therapist as well. Again, this is not a judgment. It is just an assessment to see how that unit can work together to promote healing. The therapist and the dietitian should have frequent communication. In our office, our therapist and myself talk pretty much every single day after each patient. It's important for the patients to know that anything that does not need to be communicated to the dietitian isn't. Mostly, we talk about the expectations the dietitian has and the challenges that that patient is working through and any maladaptive behavior that it becomes an obstacle. Frequent communication between the therapist and dietitian is what promotes healing and treatment. Something that I like to always mention regarding therapy meeting with the psychiatrist, meeting with the dietitian, or even the physician is that we don't have telepathy. Although we have great training that allows us to really assess what's being said and determine if there's more based off of facial expressions, the way they sit, the way they move. If the particular patient doesn't tell us what the obstacles are or what challenges are, it's very, very difficult to move through recovery and treatment. That's why it's so important for every single provider to collaborate together. The family therapist may know something that the individual therapist doesn't know about. The individual therapist may recognize something that the dietitian needs to know, and so on and so on. Last but not least, let's talk about the physicians who are on the team. The physicians are usually a psychiatrist, a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an internal medicine physician, and even times we've been referred or worked with gastroenterologists. It's very important to understand what type of experience that physician has with eating disorders. It is absolutely important for the psychiatrist to have the experience with the eating disorders so that they can do an appropriate assessment and see what the mood behaviors are and if they're separated from the eating disorder or intertwined. And it's very important to understand what type of eating disorder experience the other types of physicians have. I work with a wonderful group of physicians and physician assistants. And one of the things that I value most is that many of them are completely open and honest and explain that they don't have the specific education or training with eating disorders. And we've really been able to work together and to collaborate while um, they have learned a little bit more about eating disorders and they allow for our particular team to help them determine what is the most safest for that particular patient. When you are working with the physician team that can order, respects your recommendations and communicate, it is a very, very nice marriage.
Something that's important to keep in mind is appointments with a dietitian, a therapist, or a family therapist are usually a longer time period than they are with a physician. So it is completely normal that if you only see your, your doctor annually for a checkup, that an eating disorder can be missed. Oftentimes, labs are delayed in showing that there is a deficiency or a change. Sometimes those labs are a snapshot of what's going on right then and there. And oftentimes our clients and patients are very, very smart. They may eat something right before um, they have their labs drawn, drink lots of water the day before, or do whatever they can to manipulate the findings. Again, that is not anything to say that there's a character defect with that particular person. It just shows you how strong the eating disorder takes a hold of decision-making. So it is important that if you suspect anything as a loved one or a family member that you reach out to that physician prior to that meeting to let them know what you see and help them when they're doing their assessment. From my experience, it's impossible to visually look at somebody and peg if they have an eating disorder or if they don't have an eating disorder. The patient's weight can be completely normal. They could have lost weight that the particular person thinks is a positive thing. Um, they can have the same weight <clears throat> and still be living with thoughts and feelings and behaviors that represent an eating disorder. It is not something that is assessed automatically with all patients. So it is important to advocate for your loved one or yourself. This is my experience of what I think creates a successful team for yourself or your loved one. It is very important to have all of these specialties on board in the outpatient setting. It should raise a red flag if you're just working with a dietitian who is also trying to work through the emotional thoughts and behavior treatment. If you're working with a therapist who's also doing weights and assessing or telling somebody what they should eat, they are also out of their lane. It's very, very important to have this team approach so that each individual can get the treatment they need. At the same point, it's extremely important that the particular outpatient providers that you're working with can show you that they have an ability to assess how your particular loved one or yourself is doing and to always identify if outpatient is the right acuity of care. If it's not, there is nothing wrong with this, but it's very important to refer to that higher acuity of care very fast as soon as you see that a patient is not in the environment that is going to allow them to succeed. Remember, that patient will always come back to you if appropriate and when appropriate. If you have the appropriate relationships with that residential or inpatient or partial hospitalization facility, it makes for a very seamless transition. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on at Kinder Nutrition and Wellness. Not all outpatient is the same. If you are working with an outpatient provider who also has additional support, such as we do, that is also a bonus. For example, at Kinder Nutrition and Wellness, we have support groups that are split between the adult population and the teenager young adult population. We have dining challenges where we focus on either making food together or ordering from a restaurant and focusing on mindful eating and processing of that particular meal. Um, and we also provide yoga to really work on body dysmorphia, strength, breath, and meditation. 
Again, these are also things that you can look for and do in the outpatient setting. Eating disorders are scary. They're complex. They're frustrating. You are allowed to feel every emotion you have, regardless if you're a patient or a loved one or a support system for that particular individual. You also have the right to be a member of a team that is going to collaborate together. I hope that this helped you figure out what will work best for you. And as always, if you have any questions, reach out. We'd love to help you nationally, whether it's individually with a family or even providing you to the best resources locally to you. Have a great day and thanks for being here.